Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time it is that you inky savages are joining me for this week's episode of the Penboy Roy Pentertainment Podcast. This week's episode is a particularly cool one. It's an episode where we have a guest. Now, we've had guests before, but what we have not had before was Ryan Krusak as the guest. For those of you who don't know, you should know, number one. For those of you who don't know, Ryan Krusak is the founder and owner of Ryan Krusak Studios. He makes really cool pens out of wood and moose antler. I picked up one of his pens when I was at the DC Pen Show, this past DC show, DC show 2021. And after buying his pen and using his pen, I thought to myself, we got to get this guy on the show. So we were finally able to get him on the show. I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited for you guys to hear a little bit about him, his backstory, how he got into fountain pens and whatnot. And we just do have a wonderful discussion, interview of a great artist and fountain pen maker. But before I get started with this week's podcast, I got to do my sponsorships. So don't fast forward because my livelihood depends on you listening to this stuff. Starting with, make sure you check out goldspot.com. They are my sponsors, Goldspot Pens, and here's a crazy thing, and i just fascinated with how they had the frame of mind to think of this. If you type in goldspotpens.com, that's not the website. It'll redirect you to goldspot.com. Anyway, make sure to use coupon code ROY at checkout for an additional savings on your purchases at goldspot.com. There are some exclusions that do apply, and those are brands that are a little too snobby to allow discounts, but it is what it is, but make sure you use the coupon code because the products that do apply you know, you're going to save yourself some extra money and it's good. Also, the other sponsor is Luxury Brands of America. Now, these guys are a legit distributor, a company that distributes different kinds of pens and inks and paper from around the world. The one I want to talk about this week is the Joya, G-I-O-I-A. It's a newer brand in the U.S. It's an Italian-made acrylic fountain pen. Now, Based on the pedigree of the fountain pen and what you're paying, you're actually getting a really nice pen. The one I want to talk about is the Partenope or Partenope. F- F- I don't speak Italian. Fiamma, F-I-A-M-M-A, or Flame. It's the newest pen in the Partenope collection from Joya featuring their new custom stamped nib. So they got a new nib. It looks kind of cool. And the Partenope drop-in ballpoint, if that tickles your fancy. So basically what that is is the pen comes with an additional section and that section has a ballpoint conversion. So let's say you're using a fountain pen and then you get some really crappy, I don't know, carbon paper you got to write on. You can just unscrew the fountain pen section and put in the ballpoint section. I guess if you want to do that, you can. It comes with it. Why not? It's a gorgeous color. This one is like a red, orange, yellowish. I think flame is a good name for it or Fiamma, I'm not Italian, I don't speak Italian, so if you guys want to make fun of me, go ahead and write over to us at pentertainmentpodcast at gmail.com. Now, before I get started with this week's awesome episode with Ryan Krusak, I just want to give you guys a quick disclaimer. This podcast is not scripted and therefore will contain potty mouth words, both from Tom and I, mostly from me, so be forewarned, you have been warned. Now, on the podcast. The Pet Boy Roy Entertainment Podcast. Stage Savage. And Inky. So I'm really excited today. Tom and I are both very excited today because we have on the show a very special guest. 
We have been affectionately calling him all week, and Ryan, you don't know this. We've been calling you the sack attack. So, <laughs> so ladies well, and gentlemen, funny. everybody listening, this week's guest is Ryan Krusak of Ryan Krusak Studios. Ryan, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you guys. You know, being on this show is equivalent to the honor of like meeting a a king in in a royal country of some sort, you know. No, that's not true. It's kind of cool. <laughs> but so let me let me introduce everybody to Ryan Krusak and my experience and we talked about it on a previous show and we called it the Krusak attack. So Tom and I were at the DC Pen show this past year. Was it this when was the DC show that we went to? August. August. It was in August, yeah. Okay, so it was very recently. It was in August. It feels like so long ago. And that's what happens when I spend time away from my good buddy, Tom the Odd Oink. It feels like decades went by because <laughs> he's such a good buddy. So, you know, I was there, and my wife made a very strict rule for me when I go to the DC Pen Show, and that was not to buy anything. So I was kind of just wandering around, and my wife is like, hey, do you want to get something? And I'm like, yes. And she's like, all right, what do you want to get? And my thing was like, I didn't want to buy a Visconti. I didn't want to buy a Montegrappa. I didn't want to buy a pile. I wanted to buy something that was unique and special, something I couldn't get at a retailer or box store. Not that there's anything wrong with those products, but I wanted something that was just different. So what did I do? I walked over to this table where there are these two wonderful young ladies, which are Ryan's kids. They're selling these pouches that they themselves made. I think it's great. And there's this very dapper, sharp-dressed young man with, like, perfect hair eating apple and peanut butter. And I'm looking at these wonderful pens that he has on display, and I'm like, holy shit, this is incredible. And then I'm looking at the sign. I'm like, oh, this is Ryan Krusak. This is the guy everybody's talking about. So I'm looking at all these pens. I end up buying one of Ryan Krusak's pens, the Legend Dragon, which is, to date, my favorite pen. It is so cool. It's made of moose, and, and I love it. But I don't think everybody knows the story of Ryan Krusak, and who better to tell that story than Ryan Krusak himself. Ryan, go. Well, thank you guys uh, so much for having me on the show again. This is really cool. Um, you know, my, my company started in 2007 really with just um, as something as simple as a lost pen. I really wasn't much of a pen person. My dad uh, was a, a calligrapher, and so I was around you know, calligraphy pens and dip pens and, and things growing up. But it was never a, a thing for me, really. And... Um, I was a textile designer by trade, and I had lost my pen at the uh, airport in Mexico City. And so I walked into a little boutique, and I thought, you know what? Actually, a really cool fountain pen would be a really good look for you know a designer uh, to have. And so honestly, it was just kind of a, to complete the uniform, if you will, almost. You know, I had a big presentation, and I thought it would be a really nice accessory. Uh, so you know, I pointed to the the one I wanted in the counter, and the guy said something like, "Hey, that'll be uh, three hundred and seventy-five dollars," and I was just absolutely <laughs> gobsmacked. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> pesos, right? Because you know, in my mind, I was thinking like eighty bucks. That's like real coin for a pen, right? Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, and I mean, so you know, I looked at this pen after asking him if he'd sold many of them. And he said, yeah, "I sell a couple a week," and I was like, "Wow, a couple a week." 
I was like, I see these things at every airport literally all over the world. I mean, this is a really big marketplace. And I had already done um, woodworking on the side. I, I did sculptural furniture. I knew materials very well. Um, and in fact, I looked at this pen and I knew it was, it was most likely made of acrylic. I bought acrylic by the ton to, for carpet fiber. And black at the time was going for about $1.25 a pound. And this pen didn't, couldn't weigh you know, three ounces, I mean half an ounce. I mean, it hmm. was featherweight. And I just did the math in my head. I looked at the nib unit and I thought to myself, and that can't cost more than 20 bucks. And so hmm. I just was like, holy snap, this is just, this is crazy. Now, so I if, called, can I just yeah. interrupt you really quick? So yeah. do you remember the name, last time we spoke, I, uh, I think we spoke about the name of the brand. I don't know if you were comfortable talking about it on the air, but I think... You, it, you know what? It, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it was... It was, uh, it, was the one, right. it was the one with the little, you know, with the little snow-capped <laughs> mountain on it that, it that everybody in first class has in their pocket. Right. You know, and it was just... Yeah. <laughs> uh, your words, not mine. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but you know what I mean. You know, it was... It's, it's, it, and to me, it was, at this point, it was really just the idea of having... A symbol of quality in my pocket you know mm -hmm. their marketing was spectacular and it worked you know and, and their marketing is great um, and they're a great company and they do have some really amazing uh, high-end pens that I really admire and and want to own one day mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but for me it was it was a real eye-opening experiment for me and that I, I said you know what I want to bring a product in the marketplace and hit that same $375 price point, but using materials that have intrinsic value in them, bring mm -hmm. the same yeah. level of craftsmanship, bring all of that stuff to the table. Um, and that just kind of started the idea. And I called Julia from the airport. And I said, Hey honey, we just started a pen company. <laughs> she, just, you know, she laughed at me, thought I was crazy. Um, so what was like, exactly the chronology of events? You went into the store, he told you 300 and change. You laughed at him. You walked out, and then you called your wife? I mean, how long after? Yeah, it was probably 15, 20 minutes when I made the phone call. Um, you know, I was, uh, you know, I had a little bit of time uh, while I was waiting for my next flight. Where I was actually flying via helicopter to the factory that we were doing, and I had some time to kill at the airport before mm -hmm. I was going to the meeting. So um, <clears throat> I just, honestly, I pulled out my phone. Um, and Googled, how do you make a pen? Hmm. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it was really quite that simple. I'm just sitting there in the you know, little waiting room in the airport. Um, I found kit pens. I was like, wow, this can't be hard. So then it became, I got home and I had to do some research. It's like, what does it even take to make a kit pen? And um, <clears throat> there was a million things out there uh, of books and resources. There actually wasn't a ton online yet. Keep in mind, you know, this is 2007. Right. Um, mm. You know, very few of us actually even had phones that would connect to the internet back then. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so it was, it was, um, you know, it was a different time. And I actually bought a paperback book and learned literally from a book, not from YouTube videos, just because there weren't any yet. I didn't know that was uh, possible anymore. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, did it the old-fashioned way. Um, yeah. You know what's really interesting is the last time you and I spoke, you were working for a textile company, and you were doing very well, too, you were saying. Yeah, no, it was right? a great so, job. I mean, I had a great job. Right. So what's interesting is the idea was you walked into that store with $80 around that price point in mind. 
And when he said 300 and change, it was just crazy because I'm pretty sure at that time, $300 wasn't going to break the bank for you. But the idea to you for of paying a pen, paying for that much money for a pen was probably mind boggling. It, it was. I, I mean, especially for that pen, when I actually held it in my hand, it was featherweight and looking at the materials, which, which again, I used the same materials in a different application. It was carpet fiber instead of a pen. I was just like, wow. I mean, if this was made of something special, yeah, I'd probably buy it. But I mean, literally, I, you know, and it was funny because I, I told the guys like, this is a black plastic pen. How can you justify this price point? And he told me the precious resin story. And I was just kind of incredulous. I said, brother, <laughs> and I said, I said, church it up all you want to, bro. This is a black plastic <laughs> pen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I like that. I never heard that before. Church it up all you want. That's a good, that's a good idea. Yeah, and I, I see that like clearly by, you know, the, the, the range of pens that you offer. It's, it's not like you decide it's like, oh, well, I could just make a, you know, another plastic pen and just have it be cheaper. It's like, you were like, I need to make pens out of, like you said, materials that have intrinsic value, like things like wood and, and like uh, uh, various other materials besides resin. Yeah. And, you know, in the market that I knew, I mean, the, in the textile world, you know, I was JCPenney, Walmart, Target and Kohl's and Costco. Um, And, you know, for Walmart and for Kmart, which I didn't mention before, that was kind of even in those brands we were the the upper end and so the marketplace that i knew was the value market and i was like you know what i know i can make a good amount of profit margin at this price point with real materials and so my 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 goal was i want to bring more for the same price right Um, Mm -hmm. and just you know i was like i i just can't imagine that this nib unit and the feed system in this thing is so expensive that it's going to, that I'm not going to be able to do something awesome with precious materials. Um, and, and I was right. Um, well, actually I was way wrong. I, I overestimated the cost of nibs and feeds by more than double. So when you buy them in bulk, so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's, there's in it really at this point, it just became, especially with kit pens, it was all about perfecting technique and really putting out good quality, um, and not just good quality, but being really particular with with wood and material selection. Because um, I'd I'd seen a lot of kit pens at craft fairs and things like this, and it was just shoddy workmanship. Or somebody takes a spectacular piece of something incredibly rare, like a Honduras rosewood burl, and puts it on a two dollar kit pen. You know, hmm. um, hmm. and you know, for those of you guys who aren't familiar with kit pens, they are like anything else. There are cheap, junky, and then there are amazing high quality. There's a company out of Taiwan called Dayacom that is probably the largest manufacturer of kit pens, and they do some spectacular work. Their rhodium plating is second to none. St. Dupont would be proud to have their stuff plated as well as the Dayacom. They Whoa. Plate I mean, I'm not joking. Their rhodium nice. plating on their high-end kit pens is perfect. I have bought thousands of them and have never had a single off-quality part from them. They are really, really spectacular. Wow. Um, but those are the kit pens that are very rare because they cost they cost the user 70 bucks. Most weekend warriors aren't going to spend that just on the hardware. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they're barely selling them for 70 bucks. You know, the guys at the pen right. shows that are doing kit pens who have a little bit of notoriety are selling them for, you know, two and a quarter. But when more than half of your price is in your parts, you're not making a ton of money. Mm-hmm. You know, you're really spinning your wheels. By the time you add marketing into it, um, you know, and all the credit card fees and all the things that add up, I mean, you're maybe making 20, 20%. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, you're not, you're not going to live on that. I'm sorry. You know, it's, it's going to pay for a vacation here and there. And that's really what my goal was for my side business was I, I, I needed, I didn't need another job. I didn't need a side business, but what I needed was creative therapy. You know, um, what do you mean? Was, what do you mean by that? What, like, tell everybody what you mean when you say you need a creative therapy. What does that mean to you? Yeah. So I have to make things. It's just part of being an artist. It's a compulsion. Um, you know, singers have to sing. Uh, painters have to paint. Um, I am a, a tinkerer, if anything. I do like to paint. I am an artist by trade. I have classical training from the University of Georgia. I have a fine arts degree. Nice. But I consider myself a tinkerer more than an artist. I just, I like to make things. I like to figure things out. And I do like to paint um, and that type of stuff. And so pen making to me just seemed like, yeah, this is the perfect rabbit hole to go down mm-hmm. because there's an endless possibility of materials. And then there's an, you know combinations of different techniques I can try, um, and so I, I thought it would be very satisfying, and I knew I could sell them for enough to keep the hobby going, and that's really all I wanted out of it at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, was this, like I said, creative therapy? It was a way to unplug from the big box retail world and a very high stress job that you know was eating holes through my stomach, literally. Um, mm. And so I would just go disappear into the shop after, you know, the kids went to bed and just, you know, it was catharsis. Um, and then the next thing I knew, <laughs> it became a, a, a second job. I mean, and I was working till one and two in the morning because mm-hmm. or- orders were coming in. You know, I, you know mm-hmm. I had a little shingle out on the Internet. Um, and then all of a sudden I had a bunch of orders. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm working two jobs. Um well, and let then, me ask you something. You yeah. you mentioned that you have a background in art. You graduated from a school for art, so mm-hmm. you're classically trained. How mm-hmm. how much of that art were you not able to utilize at your previous job versus pen making? And why was it that pen making was more satisfying than your textile job? What about the pen making that is superior in terms of artistic freedom than your textile job? Yeah, so the you know the the textile design was really bound to the um, to the home fashion trends, and it was and it well it was creative, but not it wasn't what I wanted to do. It's what would sell, and mm, I you see know, it. Yeah, um, and and that's really at the end of the day, you know, in our Haiti, our our best selling rug we were doing, we were uh, it was J C Penney's best selling kitchen rug. And we sold it in 12 sizes, and it was just apples, pears, and cherries in a little checkerboard pattern. You know, I mean, it's right. not high art. It's not a creative outlet. <laughs> it's, you know, it was what your grandmother put in front of her sink. Mm. Um, you know, it was a lot of roosters. The number of rooster rugs that I designed. Oh, this is a funny story. It's actually in Paris at a trade show. Mm-hmm. And and I was with uh, one of our other designers, and um, and we went to the Sacré Cœur, and it was a very 
the the nuns were praying. It was a very it was a very moving experience, honestly. And it was this beautiful thing. They were praying over the loudspeakers in French. I don't speak French, and I didn't understand the thing. But it was this beautiful female voice echoing through this giant dome. And I look up, and painted on the ceiling of the Sacré Cœur um, is a scene from the Bible where you know Jesus tells Peter, he's like, I tell you before the rooster crows three times, you will deny me. And here's this big rooster painted mm. on the ceiling and this thing. And I just started laughing convulsively. <laughs> and Trudy, she looks at me and she's like, what's so funny? And I said, even Jesus is decorating with roosters these days. <laughs> and then she lost it. <laughs> and it was just like, I mean, we totally, it was just one of those in a very reverent moment, a very, I mean, it was a very reverent experience. At a, and then, that just like shattered it. That was just one of those just crazy moments. And it was just, we were laughing till we were crying, just seeing this giant rooster on the ceiling of this thing. And cause for the last month and a half, we had both been working on rooster projects for all the big box stores. Oh, cause they wow. all wanted, they all wanted rooster kitchen rugs. So oh, I can, hmm. I can totally see how going from your textile designing to complete and total freedom with, creating your own fountain pens i can see the dramatic difference in terms of oh, artistic creativity absolutely i mean I, I had to be somewhat creative but at the same point it was you know go to new york go to paris buy a trend report you know whatever the home fashion people are telling you that's you know that's the gospel truth and you know, you, you basically kind of follow the rules of what's dictated from you know the industry at large and you know tell your story on that uh from the larger story and that's that's the way that that industry works that sounds very constricting is there anything in the fountain pen making industry that you find constricting when it comes to designing or making a fountain pen yeah absolutely absolutely that is stock component sizes um man you have to work backwards so the schmidt k5 converter that's where everything starts because that is the inner diameter has to fit that to, to buy a custom converter or have one manufactured that would fit something I want to do if I want to go smaller. It's mm -hmm. just not worth it. I mean, I'd have to buy 20,000 of these things. And what if it doesn't sell? You know, am I going to have, you know, a custom nib unit and feed size made in order, you know, 8 million of them? I don't know. I'm not. So I have to work around everything starts with a number five or a number six yellow nib unit. You know, I mean, I guess from Bach, I can use, you know, the, the 380 and go a little bit bigger, but I mean, you're, you're adding another 200 bucks to the pen just for the nib. There's not a lot of, there's, there's not a, very many people out there willing to spend an extra 200 just for a nib. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. you know, so yeah, I mean, it's the, some of the things it is, it's just it, in, a, in a lot of respects, it's kind of like textiles in that there's a compromise involved in design work in that here's the most basic parameters. It's got to fit the converter. Um, I made the strategic decision a long time ago not to do exotic filling systems. I don't want to be in the pen repair business 10 years from now. I just mm -hmm. don't. Um, and those those filling systems are going to fail. They will. They're going to wear out. That's why there's so many vintage repairmen who are in need and why there's such a colossal wait time to get mm -hmm. your pen repaired. And I just didn't want my brand attached to that. When your converter breaks, it's 250 to buy a new one. And it's going to give you ink reliably from now ad nauseum. It's right. Just, 
you know, and I get it. People nerd out on filling systems. That's fantastic. And I think they're awesome. I love them. But from a manufacturer's standpoint is I do want to retire one day and I don't want to be the only guy on the planet that can fix my own pens. I see. That makes, I that would, actually makes sense. Yeah. That's and very would, interesting. Would, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm the kind of guy that would stay up all night really bothered by the fact that somebody has a pen of mine that doesn't work right. Um, and I would feel <laughs> obligated to fix it. Right. So well, I, plus two is that you deal with a lot of, you, like the materials you deal with are like more porous in nature. So you would have to also not only, if you let's say did a piston fill mechanism or anything that's internal filling, you'd have to then fill the inside of the barrel with some sort of like plastic like or a resin sort of inner tube that then would also so be able to support having ink on the inside of the pen too. So it would be even right. more complicated, you know, yeah. from that point of view as well. No, you're exactly right. So, I mean, I have people weekly ask me if I'll, if, if they can eyedropper my pens. And I have thought about doing a plastic sleeve that would go down the barrel that could be eyedroppered. But again, like you said, they're natural materials. And if there's anything I've learned about doing 13 pen shows a year since 2012, mm-hmm. While most people are really cool pen users, there's enough of pen abusers out there that I would probably end up losing money uh, um, hmm. because wood is porous. And to be in contact with that much ink, if somebody just like dunks the whole thing in, it's going to soak it up. I mean, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. they're going to be mad at me and I'm going to replace a pen. And, you know, and there are a lot of demanding people and the Internet has has shrunk the world down to a microscopic size, you know, and it takes about three bad reviews out there to ruin you. And it doesn't matter if it's if it's operator error, you know, when people sure. come out, it's like, look at my pen. Right. You know, yeah. So, you know, so, yeah, there are some things that are kind of constraining, um, you know, uh, so. The I mean, way, and, and I have done some special requests for some people, and I'll put this out there. Mm-hmm. You know, to get like the really, really unusual stuff, number one, you got to wait a while. And it's kind of like Ferrari. They have certain models that you have to own a whole bunch of Ferraris before they'll even consider selling you one because they want to <laughs> make sure you're not going to break it and come back and blame them. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I have done things for certain customers. I mean, and I, I have customers and, and, and collectors that, you know, have more than 70 pens of mine in their collection. Wow. wow. And when they, ask, when they ask me to do something, I know they're in it for the long haul, and I know they understand what I do, and I understand that they know how to treat these natural materials. And I might do something really exotic for them because I know mm-hmm. that they're absorbing some of the risk in that. You know? And right. I like to keep it that way because that does give me ideas you know, for future things of, oh, maybe this, maybe this will work for you know, uh, a running line, um, or maybe it won't. Um, you know, and so those types of things are experiment, but you know, I, you know, for what I do day in and day out is I'm just passionate about the materials, the woods and that type of thing and the artwork on the scrimshaw and the hand painting, you know, um, and even with that, I mean, well, look, your pen, I mean, the section coupler came out of your pen we had to re-epoxy it, Mm -hmm. you know, that is just part and parcel of natural materials. It happens, um, Occasionally, it's it's uh, the most common materials that have issues. The antler, if it has a problem, the section coupler sometimes will pop loose, no matter how much epoxy I use. And it's just right. the texture of the antler. It's a super, it's a 35-second fix. It's not right. a big deal. Um, and if that ever happens, 
Um, what I tell people is if you're super comfortable, you know, here's how to do it. I'll send you a little video how to do it. It's five minutes, five minute epoxy. It's a $2 fix from, you know, from Home Depot to buy the epoxy. Or I will send you a shipping label and, you know, I'll cover shipping and I'll take care of it. It's your choice. Um, the other material that I have issues with is ebony. And, you know, it's such a beautiful wood. It likes to get these little tiny micro cracks. Um, once they're fixed, they never come back or rarely come back. I've only had to probably repair something a second time, maybe two or three times with the thousands of pens I've got out there. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But ebony, ebony can be problematic. And again, if it, somebody has a problem with it, in fact, I've got a guy from England right now. I just, I'm emailing him a shipping label because um, his ebony pen just formed a little crack. So, you know, I pay for shipping back, I fix it. And ebony, the beautiful thing about that is once that seam is repaired, it you, the way I do it is if I can find the repair with a five power optic, I just make a new one. Um, mm. it, you know, but it's it's an invisible repair. I mean, it, it really repairs flawlessly. It's a great wood for that. That's pretty cool. It, it's kind of it kind of reminds me of like classical musicians, for example, people who play wind instruments that are made of wood, like clarinet players and oboe players. If over time and it does happen, their oboe or their clarinet develops a crack because I mean they're just blowing into it all the time. The condensation will cause the wood to crack here and there. They have to send it to a repair person, and they're able to repair the wood somehow. I'm not sure how it is that they do it, but. I can see why repairing it is an optimal choice over simply making a whole new one because you're not going to make an entirely new clarinet for a guy. You're going to just repair the one crack, seal well, it off. But more importantly, once it cracks, you know the um, the pr the odd pressures are off. In, you know, in that those cracking come. So anytime you hollow something out, um, it puts weird pressures on the grain. Mm -hmm. And once it cracks, that pressure is released. So if you make a new one, you're just as likely to have that same cracking occur again. Mm -hmm. um, so in fact, what I have learned over the years is um, if I can, what I'll do is I'll put the, the completed pen inside my um, lathe chuck and crank it down and, and try to crack it on purpose. Mm. Most of the time it will crack and then I repair, I mean, I make, you know, it's just part of the making process is cracking it and then repairing the cracks to get all the pressure out of it. Um, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way I do most of the ebony. Occasionally um, it won't crack and, you know, there, there's a certain amount of pressure where it'll just crush and not crack. And so I, I've kind of figured out how much pressure I can put on it. And sometimes it just doesn't. And then it does it later down the road. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, I'll tell you, it has been a really long process of learning uh, the little nuance in the character of each individual wood and material that I use. They all have their own personality and these little tiny quirks. It, it's kind of like, I, I guess in a good analogy, it would be kind of like, um, you know, having, you know, five wives, you have to know all of their, <laughs> all of their personality traits, what makes them mad and what makes them not and, you know, live together in happy harmony is kind of the way it is working with all the materials that I use. Mm. They're all, they're all very, um, they have their own likes and dislikes. Right. And temperaments. So you're, and so stuff. you're Mormon then, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. It sounded like you spoke from experience. <laughs> I'm purely, purely a guess. Purely yeah. a guess. I, I, you I'm, know, I'm a one girl kind of guy. You know, what's really interesting is there's two things that I've discovered today from talking to you. And that is 
I mean, Tom, did you know this? Like when people make pens, I mean, I wonder if this is for every pen maker or if it's just for Ryan. They actually start with the converter and they build around the converter because, yeah, it has to fit. I didn't even ever consider that. I just figured, oh, they'll make a tube and then the converter probably will fit. I mean, I never even thought about it. I never made a pen. And then the second thing I learned today was when it comes to wooden pens, that whole idea of pressure, you have to release the pressure, repair it, that way it won't crack again. That is just, I mean, the amount of trial and error that goes into that must have been insane just to figure that out. You know, uh, I mean, yeah, it really was. And that's why I kind of said that I'm a tinkerer and not necessarily an artist. Because that kind of stuff is kind of what generates a lot of energy, creative energy for me, is mm -hmm. figuring figuring those little things out. Yeah, I right. um, I. I like the nuance of material. I really do. Right. Well, you know, that whole statement that you're a tinker and not an artist. Well, Tom is more of the artist than I am, but we're both, he and I are both artists. He's just more of an artist than me. We can both agree that you certainly are an artist, especially considering we've seen your artwork on the pens. For example, my Scrimshaw pen, The Legend, we have a dragon on there. You drew that yourself. That, you know... That's not crayon and a child drawing there. That's an artist's. That's an artist drawing. So I was looking at the tiger, the the tiger uh, on the Instagram there. That tiger is amazing. Thank you, thank you. That yeah, so you're you're that's certain... a particularly difficult one to paint. I've got one yeah. on the on the drawing board right now that I'm working on for. Uh, it, this one's been taking me far too long. I, I'm embarrassed how long this one's taken me, but I'm gonna finish it. <laughs> so. You know what we were you were talking earlier when you were at the airport and you were looking stuff up on your smartphone you said back then you know a lot of people didn't have smartphones or internet and stuff like that and I found that ironic considering you're still using like DSL is that right Yeah so we moved to the mountains it was always our dream to move to the mountains and we always wanted to be on the water mm -hmm. um and we had been looking for a place since 2014 and this magical place came up. I mean, it really is magical. And, you know, it, it was a blessing on so many levels because the couple that were selling it needed to take a loss on the property. It was like their third investment property and they needed to, I mean, it, it was crazy. I mean, we walked in, they basically gave us the house and it's in the perfect setting, except for it's in a deep valley surrounded by mountains. Um, we tried to get satellite TV so we could get satellite internet here and they couldn't connect. They could not find a clearing without having to chop down all of the neighbor's trees, which would have cost us an arm and a leg if we would have even been able to get permission. Mm -hmm. So there was no way to hit a satellite and the only internet available is DSL. Hmm. Um, hmm. there's no cable in the subdivision. There's 7,000 lots in our subdivision. It's one of the largest in the Southeast. There's 350 miles of road, hmm. um, and there's no cable here, so we can't get cable in that. Um, oh, man. Wow. And I knew it was going to be inconvenient. I didn't realize that it would be almost debilitating. Um, it has been a real struggle with the online marketing. Just to post a photo to the internet can sometimes take 15 minutes to upload one photo. Wow. I remember wow. a time where posting a photo and it took 15 minutes was like, oh my goodness, how is it going to get better than this? I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's like teleportation. 
<laughs> no. Yeah. I remember downloading songs off a of Napster and it's like, oh, mm. I could I could get the whole album in like two hours. Great. <laughs> Man, I haven't thought about Napster in ages. <laughs> Man. I gotta I gotta ask though, and the reason why I brought it up, one was to make fun of you. Yes. And two, just is it because of the location where you live? that you discovered or got into using moose antler into making your pens? No, not at all. So um, one of the first things, when, when actually I started using antler from the very beginning, um, simply because it was just, it, it's a gorgeous material on its own. It's absolutely beautiful. And one of the pens that I fell in love with was an antler pen. Um, when I started researching, I, I, I picked up, a couple of pens at some craft fairs just to kind of look at them to reverse engineer just to figure out what people were doing mm-hmm. um and the antler i found particularly just special it, it moved me um and i loved the idea of a never-ending supply of something mm-hmm. um can you explain that to everybody so they're not thinking you're going out there and slaughtering like moose families to make pens? Yeah, no, absolutely. So what's what's awesome, and I, I took it two years ago, I took a class, um, or maybe it was three years ago now, at Rocky <clears throat> Mountain National Park on moose and elk. And um, what's fascinating is um, starting around May, um, they'll, they'll go from absolutely nothing on their head and the antler will begin to sprout, and it's covered in this, th- this stuff called velvet. And by the rut, which for elk and moose um, begins late August at the earliest, um, which is when they're all fighting for the girls uh, for mating season, um, they go from nothing from May to full size by the rut at the end of the summer. These massive antlers. And then when I mean massive, like one tine off of a moose, um, some of the larger ones are, go from my elbow out past my, the, my middle finger. I mean, they're mm. a good 18, 20 inches long. One moose tine. So wow. you can imagine how big those antler actually are. And they, you know, each antler will have, you know, 10, 15 tines on them. Um, mm-hmm. And then so at the end of the rut, when they're done, after they've mated, uh, they just fall off their head. So every wow. year, yeah, every single year, they grow a brand new set of these antlers. Wait a minute. Um, Wait a minute. I'm sorry. We got to recap. This is just too incredible. I never knew this about moose. So at the beginning of the season, they're just ball-headed. They have no antler on their head. Then they get horny. Then, 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 then they want to get laid. And over the course of the season, they grow antler that's full-grown. They yeah, fight so it out. it's actually pre it's pre rut, so they're not looking for women yet. In fact, all the the stags is basically you've heard of a stag party. Um, you know, <laughs> what that comes from is all the males hang out. They go up to the higher elevations to graze up on the lichens and the tundra up high in the mountains, um, and so they're all up there hanging out. And then once their antler get full size, it's like game on, guys. All right, the women wow. are out. Now we're gonna you know. We were all we were all in the gym working out together. Now it's time for me to flex, bro. <laughs> all spare and love of war. Uh, and, during and the off season, we're we're buds. But then they get laid. They have their sex with their their female moose, and yep. then after having sex with the female moose, they're like, "We don't need this anymore." Boom! They just drop their antler. Yep. It literally just falls off. Yeah, yeah. In fact, it was really cool. Is um, I get, man, it was it was a white-tailed deer, but uh, somebody caught a buck 
shedding his antler on film, and it was the cool oh, one wow. of the coolest things. And it just like shook his head like three times, and they just flew off. It was wow. so cool. So they voluntarily just dropped their antler. Yep. I mean, it's just not like they're like walking around like I'm the man. I have all this antler, and then it just drops off like, like, out of nowhere. They know to drop it off. That's crazy. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they don't I, like if tie I, a string it, it, to a door and slam the door and have it <laughs> pop off your head. <laughs> That's funny. They, they uh, literally just shake it off. Holy cow! I didn't know that about yeah. moose. Well, that's I don't a, know about moose. This was a white tail that I saw shake it off. But I, I oh, you know, oh, okay. the, the presumption is that it's pretty much all the same. That you know, that um, you know, these big beasts, they know that they're going to come off, and you know, when they're ready to, they just you know, they shed them somehow. That's you know, really incredible. You know, kind of like humans, you know, lose, you know, the kids losing teeth, you know, sometimes, mm -hmm. sometimes they pull them off and sometimes they just, you know, come out in an apple when they're eating. Who knows what yeah. it is for, you know, how they come off, you know. But, but how much would it freak you out if they, your kid just stood in front of you and they know they're about to lose their teeth, they just shake their head and their teeth start flying teeth out of their face, know. right? <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, that would be a little bit crazy. But so how is it for you? Like, like, is it like a certain time of the year you're like, all right, let's go find moose antler and you yeah, walk out and yeah just so when, I, when i'm when i run low i call this guy in montana who runs a company called antlers unlimited mm -hmm. um and it's a thousand dollar minimum order um and that's his business he ships antlers all over the world i mean it's huge business wow. i mean you think antler chandelier you know antler handled steak knives i mean it's it's truly an international marketplace and he gets annoyed every time i call him because his minimum order is a thousand bucks and he's like when are you just going to order a shipping container for me? Because I'm tired of these, you know, 150 huh. pound boxes. Uh huh. Um, you know, and so we've got a good relationship because I've been working with him for you know a decade now. Mm -hmm. But he's still he's still kind of tongue in cheek gives me a hard time about you know my small order. Um, mm. You know, and and it it lasts me almost a full year because uh, it's mm. it's a really big box at times. I mean, it's it's a lot. Um, oh, so it's it's a couple hundred pens, um, and so that lasts me real close to a year. Uh, in fact, I, right now I desperately need to place an order. Mm. Um, it's interesting because I actually you know, we never talked about this, so I actually thought, and Tom, I think I talked to you about this. I thought you just go out and then like you walk through the forests of your mountain like acres, and then you just find them and then you pick them up. I didn't know that no, you actually bought them from suppliers. Yeah, so for me. We don't have moose or elk. We, we have white-tailed deer, and uh, in theory, I could go out and look for white-tailed antler. But the problem with white-tailed antler is they're incredibly curved, and finding a piece straight enough is the problem. Mm -hmm. um, um, elk is the straightest. However, mm -hmm. the marrow inside elk antler is actually very colorful. It's like streaks of red and streaks of black which competes with the scrimshaw work. So it makes a gorgeous, phenomenally gorgeous pen. Um, but I can't scrim on it. Um, mm. Moose antler, mm. the marrow is just as white as the outer, um, uh, the outer layers. And it's... Um, so it, moose is really the perfect material because of the color. Um, mm -hmm. And so... When you get into the marrow, the marrow is really pithy, and it's like a sponge. And so mm -hmm. I have, I've developed a very unique um, stabilizing process to fill that in so that I can scrim on it because the, you know, if you think about 
engraving on a sponge, you know, everywhere where there's a void, you're not going to see a line. Right. And, and so it's very much the same thing with antlers. So I've had to fill all those holes, um, you know, with resin. Um, so I use an acrylic resin to fill all those holes with. And so when I do the engraving work and then backfill it with color, it, it works over the whole whole thing. But that, again, mm. like you said earlier, it's a whole learning curve. Every Every material has its own challenges to overcome. And the way I got into scrimshaw was I was making just antler pens. And I was trying to figure out a way using the kit pens how to brand my pens to where they were, you know, branded, not just some random kit pen, and they could be traced back to, to me. Um, and I ended up buying a laser, and when I engraved my logo onto that antler, it just, the light bulb went on. It was such a gorgeous engraving. Um, mm. I was like, I absolutely have to put artwork on this antler stuff. This is just too amazing. Um, and so... From there, that's how the scrim actually started. Was just engraving my logo on it. Wow! So you scrim with the with the laser engraver then? Yeah, exactly. So I, what I do is so like the the dragon that you bought, the ashbane. Did you bought the one with the uh, the brass section with the torched the the flame colored top, or did you buy the other dragon with the dragon scales? No, the one I have is the torched and yeah, okay. and tifla and and tilithia or something. Yeah, uh, Azelia. Abzilia, yes. Yeah, yeah. So that that dragon's name is Ashbane, and Ashbane, you know, I drew the old-fashioned way. I just grabbed, um, you know, pencil and paper, and and sketched it out, and then from there I digitized the artwork. And I just took a picture with my phone, um, and and then from there, um, I just traced my own drawing. Because uh, if you look at the line work, I do all my shading with lines. I want it to look like old-fashioned lithography. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you look at the the shading and everything, in fact, you know my hero artist is a guy is a is an engraver named Gustav Dor, and Gustav Dor um, did the illustrations for Samuel Taylor Coleridge's *The Rime of the Ancient Mariner*. And if you've ever seen his illustrated version of that, it, it'll it, it'll it, it'll make a grown man cry how beautiful it is. Um, it's absolutely spectacular work, and. Um, I study his his you know reproductions of his work under an optic to learn how he shaded with lines and it's just it's I mean I'm still a noob compared to what this guy did it was just really breathtaking um, and so a lot of times I'll start off with pencil and paper but then go back in with the digital pen and do all the line work um, that mm -hmm. way my laser can translate my line work um, you know onto the uh, onto the antler. Um, yeah, I, I did some scrim, like one or two pieces a long time ago by hand, and I got about a quarter of the way through, and I was like, I hate scratching. It's just, it's annoying. I don't enjoy it. <laughs> and I did, so what I decided to do was to do the scrimshaw work as a print, if you will. And that's the way I consider, you know, they're all limited editions of 150. The Headless Horseman is an edition of 76, and that's a, um, a different, there's a reason behind that, but it's not important here. Um, but so kind of think of that as a limited edition print. Um, they are, it's my original drawing, and it is reproduced with a laser with a rotary attachment. Uh, for the people that want an original artwork, I hand paint. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, I, do, I do enjoy painting. Unfortunately, in the last few years, the painting has started to trigger migraines. Um, and so my paintings, I'm only doing probably four or five a year instead of like oh. 15 or 20 a year. 
Um, that sucks. It, it does suck because I mean it's yeah, I I liked doing it in you know aside from a couple of Russian companies, um, and a couple of you know in Pilot there wasn't a lot of hand painting done on pens. Mm. What do you think is the is is it the fumes of the paints that's triggering them, or do you think it's more of let let's say like the concentration and just the small movements so, and having to hunch over and things like that? I have a theory. I honestly think it's LED lights because oh, that's the okay. big change. And I've I've been doing my research on LED lights, and I noticed it honestly when I renovated a bathroom in my old house. And the first time I flipped the lights on, um it felt like the whole room was flickering and I don't know what compelled me to do this, but I pulled, pulled out my phone and I took a slow motion video and I'll be darned if the whole room wasn't flickering like on, off, on, off, on, off. And so I started doing some research and in fact, LED lights do cycle almost to a hundred percent off to a hundred percent on, albeit, you know, with your natural eye, you don't really notice it. Um, but when you slow it down, that natural cycle of oscillation, you know, electricity runs in a sine wave. In LED lights, mm -hmm. you know, in the down cycle, cycle off almost entirely. So a fluorescent tube cycles very similarly. If you slow it down, you'll see a bit of a flicker. But it only dims to probably 70%. So you're going from 100 to 70. With the LED, you're going from 100 to, to 0. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's what's messing, messing with me, honestly. I think it's just a strobe effect because since we moved to this house, we have... Um, we have a sunroom and I, the last two pens I painted, I painted in the sunroom with only natural light and I haven't had a headache. And so it's mm -hmm. kind of corroborating my hypothesis there that I think, I think it's the LED lights because they really started when incandescence went away. Um, right. So now that you've come up with this theory, have you ex tested it out more extensively i mean like just maybe paint in a room that's not lit with leds and see so, what happens because that's a significant drop from 15 paintings a, a year to four or five yeah no it is it is a big it is a big drop and it's a, it's it's a hit to the wallet for sure because i you know i got paid really well for my paintings um and i'm optimistic because i've done three in fact i just i just finished up one um, a really cool project. Um, it's not my original artwork. Um, a friend of mine lives in Miami and he has, there's a fa his favorite mural, um, on one of the buildings out there. I, I, I took a picture of it and I painted it on a pen for him. Um, mm -hmm. and it's, cool. it's, it's just, a, it's a really amazing painting. So I'm not even going to post pictures of it cause it's not my artwork, you know? Um, and mm -hmm. if it wasn't just a gift for a friend, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have even done it, but, you know. Send, um, send me the picture. I'll post it. <laughs> Say I did it. <laughs> but um, the um, I didn't get a headache from that one. And the last the last tiger that I painted, I didn't get a headache. So I'm, I am I'm optimistic. I'm not willing to say yet that, hey, I figured out I figured out the formula here. I just have to paint in natural light. Um, mm -hmm. There's. You know, one of the beautiful things about the area that we live is we live in wine country. There's all kinds of wineries. Georgia is becoming a really reputable wine area. And mm -hmm. there's a vineyard that's just three miles from our house. And they have a solarium. And I actually uh, am going to go there and paint. Um, if, if And I just think that would be – it's such – man, it's in the middle of this 
unbelievable mountain view. Mm. And just the idea nice. of working on artwork, drinking wine from the grapes, from the ground that I'm standing on. Could you ask for something more inspirational than that? I mean, that's like, mm-hmm. man, that I sounds, don't know that it gets that better. That sounds fantastic. It, I, don't, yeah. I don't drink, but that does sound fantastic. You might end up with a headache after doing that, though. And it might not be a migraine, though. <laughs> well, it might just, you know, thing, <laughs> might just be, might a be a little bit of a hangover. <laughs> the thing about painting is I have to keep my dexterity. So it's just like this long, slow sip. You know, one glass will last me all day. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a responsible way of drinking. Right. Right. One glass for the whole day. So I'll buy you know, cheap date. I'll buy you a glass. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I really do hope that that's the solution because I'm sure, I'm sure if it, if you think that it has something to do with it and then 10 paintings in, you don't get a migraine because you've been using natural light and not using led lighting, then I think you have your answer. Yeah. But I think, un, I think unfortunately as of right now, two paintings in, I think we got to get past that four or five mark that you're at to yeah. really no, say. You're, you're right. For me to say, hey, guys, I'm back into hand, hand painting. Yeah, you're, no, you're right. Um, you know, um, I've, got, I've got like six projects right now that I've taken, and I've been, I just told everybody that, you know what, you'll get your painting when you get it. And, mm-hmm. you know, because the problem is when I get a migraine, it takes four days to get over for me. Yeah. And it's just, that's tough. I mean, four days of production is a big deal. Yeah. And so I'm just right. telling people, it's like, as soon as I'm starting to feel tension in my neck, I'm stopping, and I don't know how long it's going to take. So just, you know, I'm not going to charge you until it's done. So I'm not sitting on your money, but, you know, I, I hate I hate holding people's money. So I just don't, you know, for the hand painting stuff, it's like, um, I'm not going to take payment until it's done. And then... When it's done, if you've changed your mind and you, you know, something was burning a hole in your pocket and you went out and bought a Pelican M800 instead, I'm like, I salute you. That's great because that's a cool pen. You know, um, I'll post this pen to Instagram and I'll sell it to somebody else. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably yeah. would have overpaid for the Pelican M- M800. Probably. <laughs> because because of the pricing disparity that I have such a gripe with. I had Gary Lang on the show. Ryan, did I ever, did you know that? I had him on the show and I, yeah, I grilled, I grilled, I had him on just like I had you on. Tom wasn't (laughs) there to hold me back either, but (laughs) I, (laughs) I grilled him on the pricing disparity. What are you going to do to fix it? You know what? You know, called him out on everything he was saying that wasn't making sense, but he's a nice guy. So, so, all right. So I'm going to put you on the spot. What would you call me out on? What am I I doing wrong? Oh, gee, let me, I can't think. So that's. I've been I've had the biggest like fanboy boner for Ryan Crusack since <laughs> since the DC Pen show ever since I got this pen. And it's not just because I'm a sentimental person and my wife was there, she was at the first pen show with me and she let me buy a $450 pen. It's not just that, it's just that I in order for me to spend money on a pen it has got to be something unique and special. So when I have this pen. I I don't know what I can. I don't know if I can thoroughly review this pen because all I'm going to say is good things about it. I have to find something bad about it. I can't really th- think of anything. The section and coupler why, fell out of it. Well, the section coupler <laughs> fell out of it, but that's also because I think when with but I. So the funny thing about that is because the section coupler fell out, you offered to FaceTime me with your DSL, and <laughs> I was able to be tutored in how to fix it with you face to face. I mean, sure, you look like 
1980s Super Mario character with the pixelation going on because of your DSL. But it was a really cool experience for me to just have a pen maker in front of me telling me how to fix something. So now, whenever a cup, section coupler falls out, I know how to fix it forever. And I think it was, yeah, I think it was really cool. And I think the section coupling falling out also was because, and that's another thing I learned, you said that when you put the antler into the machine, you use a piece of scotch tape. So it might not have been a defect. It might have just been scotch tape that was in between, which is comforting to know that it won't happen because we fixed it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So to kind of elaborate on that, just so whenever you're boring out the inside. So I use CNC machine to bore out all the inside components of all of my pens because it has to be really precise or nothing fits. Mm -hmm. And with natural materials, even running with a CNC machine, there's there's a variance um, from piece to piece that's probably yeah around i'm going to say 0 0.08 millimeters which is not a lot but it is a lot um mm -hmm. and so for that to fit on a mandrel what i use is i use scotch tape around the mandrel just to take up space so it'll fit tight enough so i can sand it and do all the handwork and to profile the exterior shape of the pen um and it's just i just use scotch tape to around i use a brass tube um and I slide the barrel up over that brass tube. If it's too loose, I just use a little bit of scotch tape. And sometimes a little bit of that will get stuck inside the antler. And if I'm preparing for a show, I mean, I'm working at a really fast rate of speed. And I might miss a little bit of scotch taping, and, which is most likely what happened with yours. Mm -hmm. Or the other thing that could have happened is I didn't do a good enough job cleaning out the dust um, from boring out the inside of the barrel and glue doesn't stick to dust, you know, it's just mm -hmm. kind of, you know, and so it, it was one of those two things for sure, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, I should have done a better job on quality control, but I, you know, some of them are going to slip through the cracks and when they do, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm human like everybody else again, right. you know, I'm either going to FaceTime you and show you how to fix it if you're adventurous or if you're not, I'm going to send you a shipping label. So, mm -hmm. right, know. right. I mean, it seemed it, there was nothing easier in terms of, correcting it and everything like that. And then yeah. I really, I, I just, I can't tell you, I mean, I really do enjoy this pen. I really love it. I can't think of anything that I want to, that I could off honestly say. I think the boring coupler coming out was the only thing, but that's not really, I think when I epoxied it in, I think I didn't push it in all the way. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it's sticking out just a little bit, but that's, that's my, no, that's. Oh man, dude, I'm going to send really you a shipping label. I would know it's not it's not it, and, you have no, to, I'll, I don't what know. I'll do is I'll bore that out and we'll get that thing back perfect if it's not perfect man you can't have that thing that's mm. crazy that's crazy talk <laughs> but but I don't know how to I don't know how to say anything this is this is my favorite pen it's just it's well it's, I'm happy to hear beast. that, that yeah, I'm happy really, to hear that I really think Tom needs to get his hands on the Kraken because Tom has a thing for octopi. <laughs> octopi? Octopus? Is that octopuses? Octopi? Yes, yeah, so octopi. You got that right, yeah. Oh, nice. I think I learned that from you, Tom, because you're so into octopi oh. and talk about octopi yeah. all the time. Oh, I'm, I'm into the inktopi, the inktopuses. So, so I, enjoy, would you, I enjoy. Oh, dude. Would you call it inktopi? 
Have you have you have you seen Ryan's Kraken one? It's an octopus, and it's yes, just, I have. It's just yeah. I mean, like mm. I mean, like despite the fact that you were you kind of downplayed the fact that oh they're 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 lasered and they're they're done like from a digital file, but like yeah, you could have. I mean, that's probably how most of them, like Visconti, I know, does some scrimshaw stuff. They, that's got to be how they do that stuff there too. It, it oh, still it, looks like it is fully awesome. Yeah, it's laser engraved, and they use they use a faux ivory acrylic on there, stuff like the Wild West pen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, or like the Declaration of Independence, exactly. like that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it looks amazing, I, and also too is like the style that you brought to it. You you hit it on the head where you said like you tried to make it more like a. Yeah, like a lithographic, uh, very like a like a woodblock print almost, where it's like your line work was really was really captures like that that essence of what it is to do that sort of art piece of art on a on like a woodblock or something like that. No, that's exactly right. One, of, you know, one of the um, printmaking was the one class in art school that I struggled with more than anything, and so it became. It became a challenge um, to really master that technique. Honestly, in fact, the only reason I got yeah, it wasn't my there... that wasn't my favorite either. Like it was not definitely not my favorite. Yeah. But I, I did I did come away with that with I I thought it was really cool. I was able to do like acid etching technique. Uh-huh. So like so like to basically take a plate and then and then just scratch out a cross hatched pattern and then like and then like burn it and then you know with with the acid and then like you go to a new layer and then you know kind of you you like it there's just like those i thought it was really cool to be able to do something like that where it's like a subtractive process Mm -hmm. and then you apply the ink and then roll it on the paper and everything that's that was pretty cool to me but the uh it, it just seemed like it was very laborious just to get to the final product where it was like more satisfying and instant gratification with like painting or drawing where it was just like well here's the canvas start adding to it you know it's like printmaking was a little too much to just to get that one print i couldn't agree you know, more to get and to that the, last part the registration issues for multiple colors i mean like you, mm-hmm. you run four colors and then you wreck it on the fifth pass because you registered it wrong yeah, no, That's I, it. man, there's so many, yeah, there's so many reasons why, I mean, yeah, I got an A in the class, but it was only because I dated the teacher's assistant. <laughs> <laughs> I hope, I hope, I hope your wife isn't listening to this show. <laughs> oh, she, she knew. Oh, okay. Was she the assistant or? No. Oh, no. okay. <laughs> That's funny. For those of us who don't know what you're talking about what are you talking about like the registration of colors the fifth pass what, what does that all mean oh yeah okay yeah that, that's actually a, a really good point um so when you're doing a print um you use the same plate um but you run multiple colors on it and so you actually run the same sheet of paper over the same print block multiple passes so if you don't line up the imagery absolutely perfect to beyond perfect it's fuzzy. You get soft focus because the lines are are not lined up over each other, um, and yeah. So that 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 process is called registration. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. I see what that means. That's yeah. so. Just, just just mail them a pair of three D glasses. They could look at it with that. It'll look like it's three D. <laughs> I, I bet you that's how they accidentally discovered three D comic books that way, probably. You're probably right, right actually. <laughs> <laughs> Right, because that's what you're talking about. That's what it looks like. If it if it's not printed out and registered correctly, it'll just be separated lines that looks blurry, right? 
it looks like the same image but like one part of all the colors is like separated from the other part of, mm. of the other colors of it yeah. yeah and you get these weird ghosted lines and it just it looks like it looks like you just woke up after a really hard night of drinking and it's like six <laughs> in the morning and you're trying to get your eyes to, to look right and the image is blurry um mm -hmm. except there's none of that happened it's just bad registration wow yeah that's interesting well, I learned I learned a lot from this episode. Hey, do you remember you and I talking about getting a pen on Antler done with that logo or that tattoo, Ellie's I, tattoo I, I do. from the I'm last one? I am working. Oh on yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's probably about sixty percent done. Oh wow! So I, how realistic do you think? I mean, I I don't know if, if it's intricate. Is it? I'm telling you right now, there's about there's a community of about one point five million nerds on Facebook. <laughs> that would salivate over that pen the moment yeah, I see, posted the, it. The, the problem is, the problem is, is I'm going to end up, that would be, for me to actually do that and sell that, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I would have to license that. That is somebody's, that's another artist's artwork. Um, I see. And so, yeah, that would be a licensing deal that, and I'd have to pay royalties. And that's not the end of the world. If there's a big enough market, I would certainly do it. There's, mm. you know, there's a certain amount of... Companies like that are okay with what's called fan art, and it's people doing stuff for fun, and, and, mm -hmm. and a certain amount of fan art helps these companies. It's like, dude, if I, you know, I want to do this thing just to like, because man, I love this game. I just think this is awesome. I'm sticking it on one pen. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you know, they're not gonna. Yeah, it's a lot different when you do it for yourself. Well, that's it. There's a lot of things like, like, hey, I'm a... using your artwork. I'm putting it on the internet, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell it now. You know. They're going to come after me, you know, with, with torches and pitchforks, where if I do something to celebrate what they're doing, it's like, hey, man, I'm an artist. I love this. Check this out. Look what I did. You know, oh, I see. It, it's kind yeah. of like, you know, you go to an art show and you'll see really cool paintings, you know, one-offs of Stormtroopers or, you know, a really awesome oil painting of Darth Vader, you know, something like that. You know, there's a certain amount of fan art that helps the franchise, and they love mm -hmm. it, and it's 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 free advertising for them, you know. Sure. But there's a big difference between taking that that Darth Vader and making a whole bunch of them and putting them into Bed Bath and Beyond and selling them as wall art. You know what I mean? All right, I see. I you know, see. So so there's a fine line of there's a fine line between fan art and using somebody's artwork to profit. Um, I see. You know, and as an artist, I'm very sensitive to that. I you know, I mean. I, it really pissed me off if somebody took my Kraken pen and did like, took the artwork off it and then made like wall posters, you know. And was, I see. Yeah. You know. Um. So and that's that's kind of you know where I'm at with with this this one is yeah I mean yeah I, I, it's the coolest tattoo it's really mm -hmm. sweet and I want to do I want to do a pen because it's awesome mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Um. But just keep in mind, Ryan, that <coughs> when Roy tells you there's like 1.4 million people that want this pen. He has a hard time trying to gauge the interest of people when it comes to producing things. The case in point being the Penboy Roy t-shirt <laughs> that I still have like 70 of them in my house. And got... he thought he was like, he was like, Tom, I got the greatest idea ever. I've already ordered the shirts. They're going to sell out immediately. Just be, be forewarned. You're going to be working all weekend. And not not to not not to the same level of success that we expected. So just well, just keep in mind that you know hold on, it, hold it may on. not sell as well. In my defense, two things: one, the whole Amadeus pen did really well. Two, 
The Last of Us is a video game that millions of people played and are in love with, and millions of people shell out more money than they should to get a little plastic statue. You know what I'm saying? So, mm. yeah. So, yeah. I'm just saying. I mean, I know that you're not gonna be able to make these into like a, a running limited edition and stuff for all those reasons and stuff like that. But, but if I can get that pen, just one in my hands and show it to people, there I'm gonna be a, a god among men <laughs> in that in that Facebook group. I have the ultimate biggest dick. Of the you're Last gonna, of Us Part flex Two, so hard. On oh that hell's group. yeah! No one's gonna be able, who's gonna be able to say they have a scrimshaw antler pen made by Ryan Crusack with Ellie's tattoo on it. That does not exist anywhere in the world, and it I promise you, not. yeah, not. I, I promise you, Ryan, I will never sell that. And if I do, it's gonna be for something in like the six million figure. And if I do sell it, I'll give you at least. 20 bucks. Okay. I'm just All kidding. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it better be framed. Yeah, no, I mean, it really. It better have no wrinkle. It better be a brand new bill frame. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like that, just to get that, because people want that LE tattoo paraphernalia. The thing is, even Naughty Dog, the game producing company, they don't sell much paraphernalia, but what when they do come out with stuff, like a statue or a figurine, you good luck finding it anywhere. Yeah. It's just sold out the moment it comes. And you know, they're they're really invested in the game. It's just to me one of the most incredible games that it's the last game I played last year and ever since then I just stopped playing video games because nothing else was as good. Okay. And yeah, and the next game I'm gonna play is probably gonna be The Last of Us Part Three. And I love the the characters and it's just you, I know you're not going to play it. You're not going to have time because you have, like, a family and life. I, on the other hand, had, you know, shoulder surgery and sat at home doing nothing but playing The Last of Us for 14 hours a day for three months. And that's because I was injured. There are people who do that, and they have actual lives. They just don't sleep or eat, right? So there's that. And when, you know, if you get if you can make that Ellie's tattoo pen... I, I I could probably like rule the world after that. <laughs> you know? Seriously. Yeah. I like it. So yeah. So, you know, I'm going to I'm going to tip my hat to the successes in my life to having the Ellie's tattoo pen. That's <laughs> okay. that's what it's gonna All be. Right. You know, no pressure. No pressure. No, no, no. But... Right. <laughs> you know, if you're ever stranded on an island, that'll be like, if you've ever read Lord of the Flies, that'll be like the magic conch where you can talk with. You got to hold up the Ellie tattoo pen. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I, gee, I read that when I was a kid. That was, that, that was a messed up book. Like, right? they made a movie that was far less messed up than the book. In the book, doesn't, the, like, the fat kid die? Man, well, I, I mean, a lot of kids die, I think. Huh? Yeah, I haven't... Psalm yeah. 46, I haven't read that book since ninth grade, so I don't know how much, how many years ago that was, but it was a really long time ago. So, yeah, I don't remember much. <laughs> yeah, like, that was, you know, that's, I th she, yeah, I think, I think the fat kid died. And I, I think you're I right. I remember, yeah, I think they, like, did something to him. I think they beat him up. I got to watch the movie again, because God knows I'm not going to read the book. 
you know, because I I may have time to play video games for fourteen hours a day, but I certainly don't have time <laughs> time to read, <laughs> to read a, a book. classic. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Awesome. But hey, listen, I uh, can you know before we sign off, can you just plug to everybody? Shameless plug time. Can you just talk about your website? and everything like that and you know yeah. how how they can get to your pens if they want to buy a pen and all that stuff all that good stuff Absolutely so right now um my website is rkspens.com it's rks pens which stands for Ryan Crusack Studios um I have you know what honestly it's not a great representation of what I do um we we have really struggled because of our internet situation to bring it mm-hmm. up to to speed of where it needs to be the bright spot is they have last week ran conduit to our house for fiber optic cable. It is coming. The fiber optic is up in front of our house. They run the conduit nice. to the house. It's just a matter of they're doing it in phases. And they say we're going to have it by the start of the year, in mm-hmm. which case everything is going to change. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, I've really quit trying on the website because it's just not possible. I mean, I have to pack everything up, go somewhere, do my photography and upload at a remote location, and it's just unwieldy. And, you know, business has been good enough without it, and so it's been Mm -hmm. one of those things to fall through the cracks just because it's so difficult to do. Um, Mm -hmm. That is going to change um, once the fiber is in. We're going to be – it's going to be amazing to have gig speed. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So they they say it's going to be by the start of the year. I'm and when that happens, when that happens, there's going to be a big party here. We are going to do an online pen show, the (laughs) likes of which the world has never seen. I'm going to wear my magic unicorn boxer shorts um, for that (laughs) pen show. Um, Nice. So I did one home pen show um, when COVID started, and all the shows canceled. And I wore my blue velvet blazer just like everything else, but just kind mm-hmm. of in a tongue-in-cheek thing, I wore um, unicorn boxer shorts. And occasionally, Julia would kind of pan <laughs> down. And it was really funny, the, um, the instant flood of comments. Um, oh, man. So you had the work-from-home mullet, what they call, That's right? exactly like the, it, uh, man. The business on the top and party, party the on the bottom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, That's awesome. Um, I'm going to do it again, and we're going to have a big mother of a blowout when I have fiber, and it's actually actually broadcasting in HD. And, nice. Um, and that's going to be the new normal is I'm going to be a lot more engaged with social media and doing all this stuff that I've just, I want to do but can't just because mm-hmm. I have DSL. Um, right. So Instagram is another great place to find me, um, you know, at Ryan Crusack. Um, you'll find me there. Um and you know, I've been I've been pretty sick for the last three weeks. I had COVID, um, so I've been real quiet. So that's why you guys haven't heard from me. Um, mm-hmm. um, I'm feeling good. Um, I got a little bit of nasally um, stuff left, but I feel good. I'm working hard. I'm gonna do yeah. the uh, Columbus, Ohio pen show um, mm-hmm. this next weekend. I'm I'll be there Thursday night. So that's another great place to find me. If there's a pen show somewhere, most likely I'm there. Um, mm-hmm. I do want to pair back to six a year instead of 13. 13's too much. Um, I don't feel mm-hmm. like I can really bring a creative collection. I bring great wooden pens and great average stock, like the good stock of wooden pens. But I want to bring like really just only 
the cool hand painted stuff, the scrimshaw, mm-hmm. like the really stuff that I'm passionate about instead of just focusing on the stuff that is my bread and butter and pays the bills. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd really like to do only six pen shows a year. And what I'm telling people is I'll rotate those shows because I want to keep up with the cities. I've been doing 13 shows a year since 2012 and I've got dear friends in every city and I'm not going to let any, you know, I don't want to let those relationships go. I love seeing everybody and hanging out and having a drink with them. And sure. But it'll probably be every yeah, people other. People probably year. look forward to when you come like locally so, to their town. So and I love it, I do. Um, but it's not it's not a it's not a sustainable business model. And I was, I was starting to get to the point where I was just so burned out. It was sort of like you know I'd get, show up at a pen show in the morning, smack myself in the face, it's like, okay guys, get on your game face, let's go. You know, psych myself up for it. And that's not what I want to do. I want to really. You know, I want to be in it, and I'm just getting. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not old. I mean, I'm only 46, but I'm getting too old to run that that gauntlet. Um, right. You know, it, it's too grueling to to run, do two weeks of nonstop production, go to the show, and it's kind of flipped from energizing to kind of sapping. So six mm-hmm. shows a year to me would be awesome. Um, and once I have DSL, I can do at home shows in between and keep people up to date on what I'm doing. So. Um, I'm really excited. I'm really, I'm really optimistic about what's happening and what, you know, the, the future and that type of stuff. But, you know, to answer your question after a long ramble, how do you find me? You know, my website, RKS pens, Instagram at Ryan Krusak or go to a pen show. I'll be there. Mm-hmm. Okay, nice. cool. That's, that's fantastic. And is the, I know that you were talking about difficulties with the website, but is the website have product that is currently in stock it or is. it does is, so i have okay yeah i have an inventory page um which i think there's two or three pens that i have to take down that are not actually in stock um for whatever reason something messed up with one of the plugins where it wasn't if it sold it wasn't removing it from inventory so if that happens i really apologize to you i, I you know i'm a one-man show so mm-hmm. when, you know, sometimes I don't even know those problems exist until somebody orders one. It's like, oh, crap, I sent that last week. And then, you mm-hmm. know, then I got to call him and be like, dude, I'll make you one as close to it as I can. I'll send you pictures if you like it. If not, I'll try again or I'll give you a refund. You know, those things are few and far between. But for the most part, mm-hmm. I have an inventory page. And then I have like pages of stuff that are representations of things that you can order. And I will do something that's very close to that. So if you place an order okay. for like a Coco Bolo pen, for instance, it'll look plus or minus like that. Um, okay. You know, and so, yeah, there's, it's, the combinations are limitless, so it's not everything I do. I consider my website a starting point. So, yeah, order. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll ship in a, a few days to a few weeks, depending on what it is. Um, if it's mm-hmm. an inventory, it'll ship in a day or two. Um, if, okay. Um, you know. Now, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm guessing this might be a little bit outdated because it probably takes like at least 20 minutes for the modem to connect. Um, but, <laughs> but like the current inventory page says Cyber Week sale until December 6th. Use coupon code 2020 yeah. for 20% yeah, see, off again, all current like inventory. I, yeah, you're right. Again, that is a, that's what happens when it's me doing everything. Because um, actually what happened was <laughs> my wife was running the website, but you know, she has been a, a stay-at-home, homes, you know, she homeschooled our kids for, for years, mm-hmm. and she really wanted to start a career. And so in January, she got her real estate license, and it's just, oh, it's, nice. a, it's, it's a passion of hers, cool. and she's really, I'm real proud of her, she's just crushing it. Um, it. But she did almost all of my website work, and so that's kind of fallen back to me again. 
and I just, I'm really busy just filling orders. So a lot of those things, yeah, it looks goofy and I, I do need to hire somebody to do it. <laughs> but what, could I still get 20% off all current inventory? <laughs> yeah, no. Is that, is, that, is that not valid anymore because <laughs> yeah, no. it's last year? You know, yeah. I might, I might um, I, yeah, I got to get that off the website. What I might do, though, is is once we get DSL, there's going to be a big mother of a blowout. You mean cable? Just, you mean what, you mean cable? No, I mean, did I say DSL? I meant fiber. Yeah. Well, I meant fiber. Okay. Well, uh, you know, yeah. we're at the time of the year where all you need to do now is just change the coupon code to 2021 because, like, we are almost coming up on Cyber Week. So, you're right. You're right. You know. Yeah, you're right. And then uh, <laughs> I just got to make that happen. Um, so, no, I'll, uh, I'll post all that stuff as that stuff, um, you know, when I do uh, another sale. And that type of stuff. Okay. And that, that actually, that last sale was a, actually cool. a benefit for Jonathan Brooks. He was, um, he had some real nasty health problems and was just amassing some horrific um, mm. uh, uh, hospital bills. So medical bills. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you know, we did a we did a sale in conjunction with him. Did some auction. Did a collaborative piece together. And um, and so it, it really was good. The pen community is such a testament to the awesomeness of the pen community of how they came together and really supported him. Oh yeah. People yeah. just really bid thing wait to stupid numbers bid on stuff mm. you know and i was i was so proud of everybody and you know of what they did for jonathan it was really cool so that is pretty awesome yeah. i didn't know that yeah. well listen i'm last thing if people want to write to you to ask questions about your pens or if they want to discuss things about the pens what's the best way to get in touch with you yeah, through you, instagram or yeah dm me on instagram um send me an email um ryan at rkspens.com or just use the contact form on the website um you know that that's that's a great way to get in touch with me uh, mm -hmm. you know i okay, used to have cool. i used to have an office number but again we live in the mountains there's like 20 percent of the time the phone won't even ring um, you know, right. so I tell everybody, you know, if, if you need me, you know, I text first, um, you know, and let me know that you're going to call and just, we just get overwhelmed with phone spam too. So, I mean, if you know, I, just yeah. let it, I let it go to voicemail, if it's not somebody in my contact list, because like 99% of the time it's somebody, hi, this is Emily from account services. You know? Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So okay, so people know will know how to get in touch with you. So it's yeah. either through the website, through DM, through Instagram, maybe yeah. a carrier pigeon, right, with a little note written on the, <laughs> the Pony Express. We, we prefer right. pilliated woodpeckers. Maybe ham radio. Yes, yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> All righty. Well, listen, Ryan. Again, on behalf of everybody listening, thank you once again for being on the Pentertainment Podcast with us. Well, thank you guys Tom. for having me. It was really fun. I mean, I, I enjoyed talking to you guys more than you'll know, and it was really a joy to be with you guys. Well, I'm, yeah, glad. I'm glad that you're feeling better to be able to talk to us, too. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It feels good yeah. to be It feels good to be better. I'll be honest with you. That was a, that was a rough couple of weeks. Mm. Yeah, I know. So, listen, you got to stay healthy, first and foremost, you know, so... You know, we were planning this a couple of weeks ago, but, you know, I wanted you to just get your health back and stuff and, you know, get back into the ring and do some Taekwondo and punch and kick people in the face and stuff. All right. Yeah. He's a black belt, everybody. No, no, no. I'm, a, I'm right? still a red belt. I'm working. I'm still a red belt. Yeah. Oh, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, right. yeah. I'm still a red belt, but I'm working on it. In fact, actually, that's nothing I've actually even really talked about. Most people probably, I bet there's probably like three people in the pen community know that uh, I like to fight. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I, that really resonates with me. 
because me, I also, you know, I'm a black belt myself, and I begin to mix martial arts and trying to get Tom into it, but he's too busy. <laughs> well, man, yeah. dude, if you ever find yourself in Georgia, come on down. We'll make a pen, and we'll go. We'll go to the karate studio and we'll rumble a little bit. Oh, that sounds like a plan, man. You, you'll that totally. Like a plan. I'll be. I'll be there videotaping. Yeah, man. It, you'll, so you'll, that's, you'll, that's my. That's my involvement. You'll totally kick my tail. I mean, I'm. I'm not a great fighter, and I'm pretty little, but you know, I love it. <laughs> hey, listen. All you gotta have is the desire for it. That's it. You know, and nothing. Nothing holds you back. There is a. There is a flyweight division in the UFC. You know. And they're looking for pen makers, I heard. Yeah. So, yeah. like, you you fit the bill, you yeah. know? Do, do they have a geriatric division? <laughs> <laughs> they will soon. Yeah. So, yeah, my, but my, my anyway. cat-like reflexes have devol- devolved into, like, sloth-like reflexes. <laughs> yeah. Same here. Listen, we're all getting up there. That's As it. a matter of fact, you know, I told Tom... But uh, guess who needs surgery on his other shoulder on December sixth? I'm getting uh, uh, I'm getting reparative surgery for my. I have a torn labrum and torn rotator cuff in my left shoulder. Oh, my man. last year this time, yeah, I had last year this time, year and a month ago actually, I had an eighty percent tear in my right labrum so, and a bicep detachment, so I had to get that fixed. And so, you know, I'm falling apart, but fixing things. So I'll be back to back to normal soon. Well, that's good, but, man. We'll be uh, wishing yeah. you a speedy recovery there. Thank you. I do appreciate it. And, you know, speaking of thanks, everybody, this was Ryan Krusak on the Penboy Boy Pentertainment Podcast. Thanks again for listening. Love you guys. Be well. Be safe. Cheers, guys. Stay